Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So, let's get to work, shall we? Hello, and welcome back to Angus at Work. Farmers and ranchers gathered together at Cattlemen's Congress in Oklahoma City recently to attend Commercial Cattlemen's Day. As part of a jam-packed day of events, Angus University hosted a panel focused on balancing the consumer and the cow. Today's host, Ron Hayes, with the Radio Oklahoma Network, sat down with panelists Jesse Lucky and Mark Johnson to discuss balancing consumer demand with a cow who can produce a quality product despite the environment she performs in. So let's dive in. A couple of folks are with us today, including Dr. Mark Johnson from Oklahoma State University's Animal Science Department uh, from the Division of Agriculture and Natural Resources. And then also we've got uh, rancher Jesse Lucky from the Snake Creek Ranch uh, as a property uh, basically in, from Ashland, Kansas, down to the Buffalo, Oklahoma area. Several thousand acres with uh, a lot of mama cows. And Jesse, let's start with you maybe first of all. When you think about this concept, of trying to balance traits that would uh, basically reflect uh, the success of a mama cow, but at the same time delivering a great eating experience for today's consumer. What do you have in mind? Number one, I think we need to keep the consumer in the mind. That's our end product. That's our report card for, for what we do day in and day out. Having said that, we have to, to meet the consumer's demands. We have to have a live calf. And so we need to concentrate on these these traits that are highly heritable, and but also create a cow that's uh, that's suitable to the environment that that we operate within. And so, really and truly, we need to look at everything from a holistic point of view. I think a combination of genetic selection, good management, and um, understanding trends really kind of serves as the uh, catalyst to meeting the consumer's demands. Jesse, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your ranch operation there and uh, right at the corner of Oklahoma and Kansas. So we operate on both sides of the state. Actually, uh, our our address is actually Kansas, but uh, we do operate in Harper County, Oklahoma and Clark County, Kansas, and actually Comanche County, Kansas as well. Historically, we were a cow-calf operation. About 13 years ago, I moved back from, uh, I actually lived down here in Oklahoma City. I moved back home and uh, we started trying to create a sustainable family model that uh, that we could expand into future generations but also you know what does the business need and how do we become more profitable and create more margin um, about three years ago we built a 6500 head uh, feed yard which we mostly background calves and then we also do a lot of heifer development out of that facility as well and that's added a lot of diversity to our, to our operation uh, additionally, we we started retaining ownership around 2012, I believe, of 100% of our home-raised animals, and 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 by doing that, we started really honing in and started improving our genetic makeup of our cows in order to achieve that outcome we're looking for in dollars. You're you're really uh, focusing a lot of ways on that end product, then. Yeah, absolutely. That end product is probably. The, the number one priority for us, uh, having a bred cow 
is, I think, paramount in getting the consumer what they need. But that end product is is where we're fine-tuning tuning things in our operation. One of the other panelists uh, at the Angus University event was Dr. Mark Johnson, Oklahoma State University, uh, beef cattle specialist. And, and Mark, you were able to also address this concept of trying to balance that maternal versus terminal, the, the cow, and taking care of the needs of the consumer. I would... Uh, echo Jesse's comments and I don't know that I got a lot to add on this particular thing because he did a nice job of of summarizing that one of the things that we get into in as as purebred seed stock producers is that there are incremental consumers along the way and and to define what I mean by that term is we may sell this bull to a commercial cow-calf operation who sells their calves at weaning and so that, that is our consumer, and it is whoever is buying those wean calves that is their consumer. It may be someone that sells their calves as yearlings off wheat, and that changes that consumer along the way dynamic. And we also get into halter prospect programs where we have junior 4-H and FFA exhibitors. And so ultimately, as we discussed this morning, we can never lose sight that we produce beef. This industry that we're a part of, we've got a ruminant animal, the cow, can take our grass and forage and and turn it into beef. But it's such a big, segmented, complicated industry that along the way, there's different consumer demands that we have to meet. And never, as we say, we never want to lose sight, Ron, of the, the consumer of beef. We can never lose sight of the importance of that efficient cow that raises a calf to weaning every year for us. One of the things that a lot of discussion has gone around at this at this uh, Congress, but also uh, really for years, uh, the debate over uh, how big of a cow is is the right size cow for a most efficient operation. Jesse, what, what, what do you think on that? So, what, what's the right size cow for a ranch like yours? Every operation is different. And Texas is not Kansas. Nebraska is not Montana. I don't think there's a right answer there. I, I think you have to judge that and judge your own operations uniquely. Even though we're all in the same business, our, our operations are uniquely different enough to change the whole dynamic. I don't think you can paint everything with one brush. And so is, is there a cow size that's too big? Absolutely. Have we seen that? Probably in some instances, yes. But I don't think that's the single most deciding factor of, of how we choose our genetic pool. I, I think there's so many variables that go into how we decide what that optimum cow size is or, or that, that heifer or that cow that we keep back. Have I called for, for cows that are too big? Absolutely. Is that a thing that I do every year and, and on every cow? No, that's not. But to, to paint everything with the same brush, I think, is, is really inappropriate to say. Do you, and, I, oh. and I think that is a great answer, and that's why I threw the ball back to him on that, because at OSU, when we have a bull sale, it is interest people that are going to use bulls as maternal sires, keep daughters back for their cow herds. The western side of Oklahoma gets less rainfall, and there's a little less forage. The eastern side of Oklahoma gets more rainfall, and there's more forage. And just that answer is how big should the cow be to fit their production environment? 
changes even within the state of Oklahoma based on forage availability. But it is only one part of the equation. You, you brought up during our conversation in the arena uh, the the fact that you know we're, we're dealing with uh, the desire of bigger and bigger carcasses, and what kind of a cow does it take to produce that that larger carcass at the end of the day? I think our existing cow herd in this country has proven to be perfectly capable of producing those pins of feedlot cattle that can finish at sixteen, seventeen hundred pounds. So. For a producer, either one of you gentlemen, you know, how do we, how do we balance and, and keep our, our eye on the, on the end goal of satisfying that consumer? Consumer seems like they're more and more, uh, they're willing to pay for quality. But they, they've proven that even in the midst of uh, these incredible beef prices and, and, and relatively short supplies compared to just a couple of years ago. Yeah, time and time again, I think quality pays, number one. But, you know, even within the Angus industry, there's been there's two segments of thought, and that's the terminal breeders versus the uh, maternal breeders. And I'm a little bit of an outlier here. I don't think those are mutually exclusive. It takes one to have the other. And and so it's that holistic balance that we look at to to get that live calf on the ground and then to go on and grow and growth is a big thing and then and then to perform at the feed yard and hang on the rail um in that high choice or prime category to to say we have to choose between one or the other i i don't think those two two qualities are mutually exclusive. Anything else to add on? Oh, I would agree with that. And, and I, I do think it is a testament to the job that the beef industry's done. If we look back over the last 30 years, we take a look at this information that's came in through National Beef Audit, and we see that we have got a more consistent product. We've got a higher quality product. A lot of that information that Paul Dykstra shared this morning in his presentation that increasing percentage of prime and virtually all fed cattle are reaching choice and higher quality grades and those quality based branded programs we're seeing higher certification rates it is a success story uh, that our industry can tell that where genetic change better management has led to a better product that consumers to this point still are willing to pay a premium for, and it remains the protein source of choice. It's remarkable that uh, select beef is just almost going away. That is interesting. It wasn't that long ago in my career, it doesn't seem like that long ago, that we were talking about you know trying to feed cattle for at least 150 days so that 70% would grade choice, hopefully better. And you, you look at that versus some of those statistics we're seeing this morning, 10 to 11 percent now of our weekly slaughter mix going select it again it's that success story that we have to tell i brought up a uh, a a quote from a gentleman or a comment from a gentleman that i interviewed years and years and years ago 
uh, Lad Hitch, legend in the feedlot industry in the Oklahoma Panhandle and really across America. Uh, Lad referred to himself as a beef producer, and and at that point it was it was common for guys to talk about they were cowboys or cattlemen, and that they were taking those animals to sell them as animals and not they they weren't worried about the end, end product so much. We've, we've got to pay attention to that, don't we? I think it's important that all of us that participate in the beef industry, we need to look at things. I, I keep going back to holistic viewpoints, uh, holistic viewpoints. And I think one thing that we can do, whether whether you participate in all segments or not, I think there's opportunity out there to cr- create strategic partners with either another producer, a feed yard, or anybody else to, to bring everybody together and basically one big happy family, so to speak, to, to, to help understand and, and help everybody have skin in the game clear to the end product. That's one thing I don't think we do a very good job of. We, we tend to operate our, our businesses and our operations the way we've always done it. And, and how, do we, how do we reach out there and create strategic partnerships in order to, to be better beef producers? And you know, we when we wake up every day, it's what's what's one thing we can do differently to improve the end product for the consumer. And I don't I don't think a lot of people think in those terms. I think they think in terms of, you know, what week am I going to sell my calves at the sale barn in order to get the best possible price? And they don't take in consideration what that calf is going to do from from that point on. And I think there I think we lose efficiencies along the way there. You know, end of the day, we kind of wrapped up our conversation there in the in the arena. We just basically said, you know, where where what what do we need to do to be successful in the business and, and meet and check both boxes? But what what do you, what do you think the, what what does that look like? Well yeah big picture and I concur with something I've heard Jesse say a couple times today you have to think holistically about your production system and everything from that cow that is efficient in your production environment to the ultimate consumer of beef the product and we have so many genetic tools available to us in 2024 and we have so many technologies that we've discovered that we can use in management and we just learn more about you know best practices things like beef quality assurance that all lead to the ability for us if we if we go through our checklist and we think holistically that we are capable of we we can we can produce a product in a sustainable fashion that is the protein of choice to consumers and and meets consumer demand and so a lot of layers to the onion as i always say but i think there's an ability that we can do that in an industry that has got such a long production cycle has historically been so segmented that we can each do our part because we're all part of the same business jesse yeah, I would concur with all that. We all we all need to do our part and 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 try to make it better for the the next person down the line. But uh, you know, the one thing that we do as 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 producers and cattlemen is I think we do a lot of things based on emotion, and we need to we need to bring data and trend line decision making back into our operations. When we have a a period of time where we don't get our cows bred. We want to look for a, a genetic solution, and and ninety nine point nine percent of the time, 
there's more than one variable there that, that, that led to that, that outcome. And so take the emotion, find ways to take the emotion out of your decision-making process and make it more data-driven. Give me something that's good going on in your operation, personally, professionally. What, what, what's uh, what's uh, good as we start the new year? We're enjoying historically good cattle prices right now. And even though we've seen a $25, $30 downturn in the market um, here in the last you know, couple of months, uh, I think there's a lot of optimism out there for, for, for the cattle market in 2024. You know, for for me personally, as as we diversify and into the different segments of the uh, cattle industry, I see a lot of things coming together that is going to help us not only improve our operation, but maybe create some of those partnerships, like I talked about before, to help improve other people's operations too. And those are my my goals, and I and I hope we we get there. And I think that's really exciting. Those possibilities are there's a lot of opportunity and possibilities in the in the cattle industry right now. Mark, what about you? Again, Jesse does a nice job of explaining these things, and and I I share those thoughts. But you know, even as we think of opportunities, and and we look at our national cow inventory, the, these opportunities are going to exist for a few years here and I get back to I'm a 59 year old man that has been in the cattle business my whole life I moonlight as a college professor I am blessed that I have my own place and my family and I raise cattle but this is a true six this is a story of sustainability we have a cow as a ruminant animal that can take a natural resource which is forage and turn it into beef. We as humans can't can't digest the forage that the cow can, but beef is nutrient-dense, highly nutritious, and it's a success story. And I love being part of this industry because of that, and I do think for those that are willing, there are tremendous opportunities for years, and I believe decades to come, because of the way this business works and can work. Listeners, for more information on making Angus work for you, check out the Angus Beef Bulletin and the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can subscribe to both publications in the show notes. If you have questions or comments, let us know at editorial at angus.org. And we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus at Work.